Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bear witness to the first home win at Stamford Bridge for five months as Chelsea leave Luton as mad as hatters. It's Saturday the 26th of August and a very warm welcome to Ramble React. I'm Luke Moore. I'm Andy Russell. Yes, 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 indeed. Welcome. A very happy Saturday morning to you, wherever you are listening to this on the way to a game or, I don't know, doing the shopping or mowing the lawn or whatever. Um, Andy, great to have you here on Ramble Reacts. No Marcus today, but we'll we'll press on without him. It's what he would want, I'm sure. It's not um, what he would want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he'll, he'll boycott this episode. Let's make that absolutely clear. Um, Andy, you said yesterday on the Ramble, I wasn't present, but I listened to it. Luton weren't going to get beaten 10 0 by Chelsea yesterday, and they weren't, of no. course. But they were beaten 3 0 uh, with two goals coming from Raheem Sterling and a first for the club for Nicholas Jackson. Um, first off, what did you make of the Chelsea performance? It was okay. Um, it was positive. It's a little hard to judge exactly how good it was. Um, yeah, I thought that. G- given the given the opposition, and given, I, I think the, the Raheem Sterling opener is was sort of a microcosm, really, in that it was a really great goal. But you were left thinking, how many other Premier League sides would he actually have the opportunity to score that goal against? The way yeah. he sort of um, waltzed through un, un, unfettered. Look, like I was saying on yesterday's ramble, I don't want to jump to any immediate conclusions about Luton just because they haven't spent money because I, I didn't see a huge amount of them in the championship last season. 
um, maybe that naivety will have the edges come off it as as, as we get into autumn. But already it does look a, a little bit tough for them. And as someone whose team is going to Stamford Bridge on uh, Wednesday night, I thought Chelsea were good, but I'm not frightened by it. And I support a League Two team. <laughs> I think you're going a bit far there. I think that's good. That's a, that's exactly the kind of comment that I may know not. I may not know that much about broadcasting. You know, I may be very much an alternative broadcaster, not in the mainstream media. But even I know that's the kind of comment that's going to come back to bite you. Well, we'll pretty, take the ten nil. Pretty short order. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Imagine that. Imagine if you, you you get you get on the end of a ten niller, the first one of the season. That would be absolutely outrageous. Look, I thought um, Chelsea were good enough. I thought that, you know, what I was really keen to keep an eye on was was something off the back of what you said yesterday, which was that, you know, at the moment, do Chelsea look just a bit like a collection of players rather than a team, or as you called it, a munge of players? Uh, not a word I was familiar with, but a word I am now instantly um, obsessed with. And one has to be careful <laughs> typing that out on WhatsApp because autocorrect could be a very cruel mistress on that <laughs> word. Let me tell you that. Um, but they did look a bit more like a team. But then the thing is, Mauricio Pochettino's probably rubbing his hands together seeing that fixture because, with all due respect to Luton, and we will come on to them uh, in, bit, in a bit more detail, that's exactly the kind of fixture you want to get your ducks in a row, right? It is, and I, I don't know about you, I thought Pochettino looked a little bit too pleased about it at the end. I mean, I'm, I'm glad for him that he got his first win and, you know, he's, he's a very likeable character and, he, you know, fair play to him. Being jolly about it and being pleased to be there and enjoying his job and all, all the rest of it. Looking pleased to be there. It's a tough ask at Chelsea, honestly. <laughs> but I, I think the, the the way it was like, oh, yes, we've won, we've won, we've won, we've won. I mean, look, I don't want to be the celebration police, but it is it, a little bit much, wasn't it? Don't go you know, full keys. Yeah, I, I think maybe he listened to yesterday's ramble and he thought, well... I'm only going to be here till Christmas. I better celebrate everyone to the max. Well, and I'm going to come on to asking you about that as well. But, you know, you say that, but, you know, he is basically pumping his fist and shouting to the Stamford Bridge faithful, you know, happy times are here again. It's their first win at home for five months, as I said in the intro. So it's not as though Chelsea have been in any kind of form. And I think that sometimes gets forgotten. Mm. You know, you think of Chelsea as being this colossus in the modern Premier League era for all the obvious reasons. They've won what they've won. They've spent what they've spent. They are the team that they are. But actually, it's been pretty thin gruel for a long old time now, particularly at home. It's been a bit rudderless through... I mean, Chelsea fans may argue that, you know, through perhaps no fault of their own around what's happened... With the, with the ownership and stuff I would mm. say you know you dance with the devil and sooner or later the music stops which is what happened um, but ultimately they've been through a rocky patch and it's not just that Pochettino's got to blend all these players and as you said you know, to use that term again take a collection of players and turn them into a team it's actually just that they've got to restore a bit of confidence at the club because they've not yeah. really been in any kind of form for a very long time this is the team so that finished in the bottom half of the Premier League last season right? yeah for so long Luke and I was at that last home win actually against Dortmund and um, Dortmund were they do call it the Andy Brassel game actually <laughs> You see, that's what that's why Chelsea fans come back. <laughs> that's why Chelsea fans can feel confident of winning ten 0 on Wednesday night. I think because I'm going. Yeah. But uh, uh, <laughs> in that game, Dortmund were um, off colour, bit knackered, a lot of injuries, too many injuries really. And because Chelsea 
played it straight and just about got it done, there was a sense of, oh, hang on, Chelsea are, are digging in, we're, we're, we're back. But I mm. think the, the way that that win against Dortmund was celebrated at the time, and I know it's hard to remember for a lot of people the feeling around it, maybe not for Chelsea fans, but for people who aren't Chelsea fans, to remember the feeling around it because it was like six months ago now, the best part thereof. Um, it felt at the time that they were... You know, looking for comfort a, a little bit too hard. So they pumped that performance up into something that it really wasn't, in, into a bit more than it, it was, certainly. And as you say, it's because before, and as it turned out after that, it was just dreadful. And, and not really just by Chelsea standards, which obviously have been extremely high over the last 20 years, but just by, you know, general Premier League top half club standards. Hmm. And I think, you know, you mentioned the, the first Sterling goal. I mean, that was, I mean, because when, when when I kind of looked at the lineups and looked, you know, was excited to watch the game, because, you know, the reason I really wanted to do a Ramble Reacts on, on this game is chiefly because it was the first chance for any of us to properly see Luton. Of course, their first yeah. game they were beaten, um, but that was, on, that was a Saturday three o'clock kickoff, so we didn't get a chance to watch that here. And um, I looked at the lineups <laughs> of the two teams, What's that? What? <laughs> Didn't get a chance to watch it here because it was a three o'clock I mean, Saturday kickoff. It's worth reminding our American listeners of that of that yeah that kind of strange um, you know disappointment still that we have to endure here. But and um, it's absolutely I'll impossible. So if you are listening in America and you are watching a three o'clock game on Saturday, uh, if you mail us at the Ramble and tell us what the game was like, we'd really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you'd have more insight than us. Yeah, um, in more ways than one. But. Um, Going into this game, you know, last night's game, I was just going to say that, you know, you look at Chelsea's bench and it seems woefully light for a team that spent the best part of a billion quid. I know you've got to take into account they've got eight or nine players out through injury. Yeah. But even so, I mean, two goalkeepers on the bench, that's what I call the full red nap. Never go full red nap. <laughs> you know, what, what are you sending a message to the owner that he wants to spend more money and you've got, you know... Um, Lavia from uh, Southampton, they've spent a huge you know, King's ransom on in the stands, um, ready to ready to play a part at some point. They've got all these other players injured. Um, so I did think to myself, if it gets a bit sticky for Chelsea, you know, are they going to have players that can come on and affect the game? Uh, because it didn't really seem like they did. But then you look at the Luton side of the ledger and you think, my goodness me, they look so light. You know, they really do. Look, I, I don't know if I've seen a Premier League team that I can think of more light on top level quality than this Luton side. It's pretty mm. worrying, actually. Maybe we'll come on to it a bit later on to, to what this perhaps means for Luton for the rest of the season. But the point I wanted to make was just that, you know, I, for example, really like Thomas Kaminsky in the Luton goal. I think he's a mm. fantastic goalkeeper whenever I've seen him play. He comes very well rated from Blackburn, hugely decorated as an individual at that club as well. Uh, and he makes that save in the first five minutes, which is rifled at him and he catches it. Mm. And it, it was just a superb save. It was Susan Perb. And, and <laughs> I thought to myself, he's going to be busy tonight and he's going to need to be at his best. But if he can stick at it and they can dig in Luton... Um, it could become a really interesting night. You get to half-time at nil-nil, you get to 55, 60 minutes at nil-nil, Chelsea are looking to make changes, but they don't have a huge amount of options. And then, of course, Sterling comes through with this individual goal of such great quality, yes. which almost just shows Luton in stark kind of reality the quality they haven't got. Now, I think Pochettino will be far more 
enthused by the second and third goals because of course they were great team goals and Nicholas Jackson getting off the mark for Chelsea as well is important um, but it just shows you the gap that Sterling dance through the penalty area scoring and you saying that you know you wonder whether any other team will give him that kind of space throughout the season I suspect they probably won't but that is really when it started to come home to roost for Luton I thought that they are in the situation they're in um, and it really was then after that just a kind of Almost not, not an exercise, but certainly, certainly nothing yeah. kind of particularly taxing. And then Chelsea were able to bring on Okachukwu and Matson to give them a little bit of a taste of it. And it turns into a pretty ni- nice night at the office for them, right? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. And I think almost as much as the Sterling goal, the the penultimate pass from Enzo, who I thought was excellent, by the way. He was good. Um, he was. The, 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 the little juggle before he flicks it over the top for Sterling to cross for for, for Nicholas Jackson. Again, I'm not sure he attempts that in every Premier League game this season, to be honest. Right. You know, there was a, there was yeah, a level yeah. of comfort there. But I, I did think to an extent that Luton were a little hard done by it in the... You know, they, 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 they were second best and, you know, they, they didn't deserve to get anything out of it. But um, I would say, you know, you, you go back to... Um, the, the the first half and really the goalkeeper wasn't tested that much. I, I think if you, if you look at the first half hour and the bit before Sterling scored, Chelsea have all the ball, but they don't really create that many chances. And Luton are having a game stab at pushing for an equaliser, and two and three go in pretty quickly, and then yeah, that's and the keeper it, really. can't do anything about it anyway, can he? I mean, like you no, talk no. about Kaminsky, he can't really do anything about no, any of the no, goals. No, he, like, he, he can't. But I, I I do think that. When you when you look at those two games from Luton in entirety, they've they've not been for all the people saying they're incredibly short of quality. They they've they've not been shown up. I don't think in in, in either of these games. Yeah, but it's but, a terrible maybe, habit to be in, isn't it? Yeah, but but it's it's two games in, and you know they've they've gone away to um, one of the better sides in the Premier League. And a side who are trying to be one of the better sides in in the Premier League and have spent an absolutely in, incredible amount of money. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's forgetting that graphic in a in a hurry of um, transfer um, fees spent since uh, 1992, and it had Chelsea three billion, Luton thirty million. I mean, it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit misleading, obviously. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure there's a, a nation of of people shouting net spend at their widescreens, etc., etc. But I think in both those games, there's there's been a degree of naivety about Luton that you think at some point that they should, if if Edwards is the coach that a lot of people think he is, that will change. I'm, I'm not saying they'll avoid relegation. I'm not saying they'll win a load of games or whatever. But th- this is this is the hard bit. This is going to be the difficult bit. And of course. I think they're one of the teams who will benefit most from the international break because they won't have 15 players go off and they can work out what they've learned in the first four or five games and get their heads down and actually get on the training pitch. Yeah, but it's quite, it's quite damning with fake praise, eh, to say that they'll be, uh, they'll be loving the international break because none of their players are good enough to play <laughs> national football. <laughs> it's not ideal, is it? I mean, I mean, look, I think Silver it's too linings. early. To, Silver it's, pro- it's probably a bit too early to use the analogy I'm about to use. Um, but I've just thought of it and I want to use it, so I will. Please. Um, you know, you talk about Luton not doing too badly, but still getting on the end of, you know, 
really a slap in from Chelsea and from Brighton. It's a bit like your mate who's our age and is still unlucky in love, and you start to think after a while, are you actually unlucky in love or are you just a dickhead? You know, know, because... You don't want it to become a pattern, Luton fans, is what I'm saying. And I actually think that, unfortunately, you know, I'm not saying the writing's on the wall because we're not even at the end of August yet. Uh, I don't know if there is a track record to suggest that Rob Edwards is that good a coach. I'm not saying he isn't. I'm just saying I don't know if we know No, we is. don't know. We don't know. And, and, and I also think that they're going to be in a situation, really, in, more often than not, in most games they play, where they're not really going to have a say in whether they can win or not. And what I mean by that is, you know, for example, they are should be and they probably are desperate to get to Kenilworth Road and start playing games there because they just it, it's very difficult to make an argument that they're going to be able to pick up more than just a handful of points away from home this season, which obviously then puts a massive amount of pressure on what you can do at home. And I think with Kenilworth Road, they can make it a bit of a fortress. I know it's a cliche for a promoted team to say, but they 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 obviously need to turn that into a cauldron. It it has. There's no other option because mm. you look at that team. They can't really affect a game, particularly at this level. And Chelsea, like I say, haven't really been great. Um, so it's it's a tough old ask for them. I think it's gonna be a long old season. And the reason I'm saying that, by the way. It's because I don't want to patronise them. I don't want to say what um, you know what Vish said yesterday. It's one big free hit for them this season. Like, you know, get your candy floss on the way home. You know, it's, it's going to be a lovely old day at the fun fair. They they shouldn't see it like that because that's a patronising way to look at it. I'm not criticising Vish yeah. when he's not here to defend himself, but you understand what I mean. So they need to kind of almost like a truffle pig sniff out where they're going to get those lovely little morsels from and it doesn't look like it's going to be away from home it's just going to be on their own patch sure yeah, it's going to be like that's what it's going like, to be. like you i don't want to butter them up too much mainly because i've paid you're to normally get a good copy though andy i'm normally the bad cop you know so you have to remember that you gotta play your role <laughs> that, that being the case i've paid <laughs> to get into that away end at kenilworth road a couple of times and yeah you go in between the houses etc but you do pay 20 quid and not you're not able to see anything, even even though no. you're over six foot. I, I mean, no. it, it, Luton, Barnet, Underhill is pretty much the same. So, yeah, I've, and I've got beef here as well, by the way, right? Because okay. when Portsmouth, when my team Portsmouth were in the Premier League for all those years, I used to get pelters on the show from listeners and in my everyday life among other football fans who supported other clubs about how shit the away end was, the Milton end at Fratton Park was. Like I you don't were responsible why, for it. Yeah, I don't see why Luton <laughs> should get away with it. I think uh, if Pompey fans are going to get it. I think Luton fans should get it. And it should just be one of those things. You're going to have to take it on the chin. If you're, uh, I'll be totally honest with you. Pompey's away end at, that, at one point barely even had toilets. You know, right. it was that poor. And it, I haven't, I can't remember going to Kenilworth Road as a fan, so I probably haven't been there, but I have heard very, very difficult reports of what it's like to experience the away end there. But then some people, Andy, may say that you're still a bit sore as an AFC Wimbledon fan, right? Well, why, why am I sore? We, we, we beat them in the playoff final in, uh, in 2011 at, at Manchester City. It's glorious. Okay. So you're not sore. You're just, you're do, just, do you want to run, it's run even you worse through the penalty you're shootout? Smug. Kick by kick. You're smug. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse. A smug Andy Brassel. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Hello, I am Sven Goran Eriksson, and you are listening to the Football Ramble. Um, Andy, can I take you back to the um, can I take you back to the to the game itself, or just ask you a little? I thought bit you were going about... to say to the FA Cup semi final in uh, <laughs> nineteen eighty eight, where we also beat them that time at White Hart Lane. Yeah, you may, you may. I'm not yeah. taking you all the way back there. Uh, that's the, that's the thing. When these new teams come into the Premier League, they've always got a load of undisclosed history with Andy Brussel. Um, I want to take you back to Nicholas Jackson actually on the Chelsea uh, on the Chelsea side of it because. Yes. He looks very busy. He works really hard off the ball. And I know that Christopher Nkunku is injured and is a scorer of goals, certainly since he moved to Leipzig. But Nicholas Jackson, had, I mean, he scored tonight, got off the mark. That's a, Obviously, I imagine that's a massive relief for him. And it's important when you go to a you know, big Premier League club and you for a lot of money. And I understand the pressure will be great. He scored tonight. That's important. But he doesn't look to me like a, a consistent scorer of goals. Can you disavow me of that notion with, quite frankly, your smug, superior knowledge? <laughs> well, not really, Luke, because um, we've got such a small sample size. Now, I think you saw him in the back third of last season. And you think there's a player who can get on a goal-scoring run. Now, to, to get on a goal-scoring run and to be a relentlessly consistent scorer of goals are two different things. I mean, he's just in the same category as so many other Chelsea players in that there's potential to be really, really great. There's enormous potential, but we just don't know how much of that is going to be realised. And 
if you buy people on small sample sizes, and you know, I could be talking about him, I could be talking about Mihailo Mudrik, I could be talking about Enzo Fernandez, I could even be talking about Moises Caicedo because he doesn't have a like a hundred first team games under his belt or anything like that, does he? In in, in the Premier League, um, that's where Chelsea's strategy is so incredibly high risk. Now, Nicholas Jackson always had something about him at Villarreal, and. It really started to come together, like I said, in the in the back third of last season, where he started to be relentlessly consistent, score goals on a regular basis, um, and you know if he can bring that form into the Premier League, Chelsea will be laughing. But you know they've broken better centre forwards than him. Let's be honest, <laughs> they break every centre forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's it's West Ham and then some, isn't it? You know, you know. I think if West Ham are if West Ham are Hawksmoor. Uh, Chelsea and Nuzret, really, aren't they? Oh, that is a very good analogy. That that is an excellent analogy. So uh, I don't I know just... why I got my hand up there and didn't go like that. What yeah, that's good. yeah. You should have yeah. listen. That point doesn't need any seasoning, mate. That is absolutely <laughs> perfect to the palate. That I mean, I would just say um, that you know it's uh, it's worth pointing out that I think it's now fifty-five strikers that West Ham have signed, fifty-five forwards in what would be you know, termed the Gold and Sullivan era. Um, and, you know, the, we haven't got time to go into quite how shocking the, the return has been, but it's been pretty poor. Chelsea has been, you know, on paper, quality rather than quantity. But again, there's been absolutely no quality whatsoever, which, which, which basically brings us full circle to talk about Raheem Sterling again, because they are going to be reliant upon him. Mm. It just so happens that he's been in great form, you know, for Chelsea. And, and, and I gave a, quite an interesting interview to the BBC um, at the start of the season, um, with a chap called Phil Dorks, who I don't know, uh, but on the BBC website saying that um, he felt like he was in a really good place. He felt like he had a really good pre-season. He's now only, I mean, he's only 28, right? You know, so he's been around forever. Since, mm. He feels like he's been around since God was a boy, um, but he's not He's not a spent force yet. And he says he feels like he's in really good in really good form. Uh, they're going to be reliant on, upon him because despite the amount of money they've dropped, and according to some reports, it's 945 million in the Todd Bowley era, um, they still don't have someone that you just go, bang, he's going to score you goals. They don't have a Kane. They don't have a Haaland. They don't have a Salah. They don't have one of those kind of established Premier League goal scorers that's going to mm. do something for them. And, I mean, I, I think it's another podcast episode to talk about what perhaps we both think, and certainly I think, about the kind of experiment that this Chelsea situation seems to be. I don't think it bodes well at all for many different reasons, and maybe we'll get a chance to expand upon that throughout the season. But it does feel like if you are going to chuck this amount of shit at the wall, you, know, you really do want to come out with someone who's actually going to provide you with almost guaranteed goals. There doesn't really seem to be any reason why they couldn't do that if they want to, but they haven't. No, especially with that level of money. It's, yeah. it's just extraordinary, really. Um, the one thing I would say is I think Nkunku can be that player for, for them. I think if So maybe he's all, the question mark over him, but potentially could do it because of the record yeah. he had at, like, he's had at Leipzig. Leipzig because right? I, I think I think if you go all the way back actually to when he was at when he was at PSG, I mean I remember thinking in the summer when they sold Nkunku and Musa Diaby, who's obviously pitched up at Aston Villa now. I remember thinking they were making a big mistake, but especially a big mistake with Nkunku because um, he, was, he was more of a wide player at that time or an, an attacking midfielder. And he's played more games at centre-forward since in the back half of his spell at Leipzig. But he's someone who, in terms of 
creating and goal scoring. It's not just the goals in the Bundesliga. You know, he's got a Champions League hat trick away at Manchester City. He's, he's proved himself on every level he's played. And even when he was at PSG, he never looked out of his depth. You'd you, you bring him on with all the stars and there was no bedding himself in and trying to get a few nice touches for confidence. He believed he belonged there from from the very beginning and, and he did. But when we're talking about Chelsea breaking strikers, I mean, they managed to break him in pre-season before he even played a proper game. Uh, ho- hopefully he comes back and he's, he's that good. That was Ed Sheeran, and- I think. That, that was Ed Sheeran's fault. Yeah. Probably probably not even in the top 10 worst things he's done, really. But <laughs> I, I, I think... He hasn't even got the decency to be injured by a decent singer-songwriter. <laughs> no, exactly. But I, I think it, it, it seems difficult to put them in a situation where you say, you've got to wait for him. Because you know, their season could be in a bit of a hole by the time it comes back. But the point you make about Sterling is absolutely right. Because um, the thing people always miss about Sterling... Is where he's most effective in in recent years, not just not just for club for for England as well. You pop him in those central areas and he makes things happen. So you know he may not look like a centre forward physically, but there's no reason he couldn't play there a bit. I mean, you know they persevered with Kai Havertz, and I think there were even greater doubts over whether he can carry off the centre forward role. To be perfectly honest, I've, I yeah, think it felt to Sterling me, can 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 do it. Yeah, it felt to me with Havertz just because he's actually pretty good at headers. People yeah. thought, oh, he's definitely a centre forward. Um, so that's that's really interesting, and I think you know Chelsea fans, for obvious reasons, will just be counting down the days till Nkunku is um, available for selection again. But look, I, I want to um, these rapid these ramble reacts episodes are supposed to be rapid fire, quick in and out episodes for people to enjoy when they're on the way to the game today or tomorrow or whatever. Um, so for that so reason, ra- I can't mention um, Jose Mourinho, uh, Romelu Lukaku, or any of those things, right? No, you've already got like a chart-topping European show of your own, mate, that um, I think you've recorded. Yeah, they're total strangers to the Premier League. Why would I mention them on air? Yeah, yeah. Um, don't don't air your dirty laundry laundry in public, Andy. You've you've asked you've asked for something to be put on the running order. It's been turned down by not just me but the production team as well. You know, take your medicine. You know, um, it'll it'll wait till Thursday, I'm sure. Um, but what I was gonna say was, we are gonna wrap up shortly. But before we do, I think it's important that we give a last word to Luton here even if it isn't mm. necessarily as positive a word as we'd like um, a couple of things from me oh before we, before I do that actually I should also say that Malo Gusto had a good game two assists for him starting at right back for Chelsea really good he player. looks like a really interesting player and it's, um, it's so funny def- when he when he did sign like loads of people were saying well he's, he's stunting his development etc etc completely overlooking A the fact that Reese James can play in midfield I, I think in, in the medium term and B is his injury record I completely agree. Um, so yeah, look out for him. He might be a kind of a really good play on in fantasy Premier League as well. But that's another point. Mm. Um, on the Luton um, thing to end with, um, you know, I mean, how will they fare this season? I mean, Jeremy Carragher said this week that being an Everton fan is the most miserable existence in Premier League history. <laughs> <laughs> are, are Luton possibly going to challenge for that honour? Or I, I kind of feel like they might. Um, and, mm. I, and I would actually be quite happy for Luton fans to throw that in my face come May if they manage to do the miraculous and stay mm. in the league because I've got no beef with them whatsoever. I think, you know, they're an interesting case study. I'm really pleased to see them having a go in the top flight. I think it's a cool Agreed. thing. But I, I, I you know, even, you know you, for example, you bring in a Ross Barkley. Let's talk about Ross. Let's talk about it through the lens of Ross Barkley, for example. You know, oh, let's not. I was, I was pleased to see him not playing in a suit jacket and shorts as you feared he might <laughs> yesterday, um, or in jeans. Like Harry Maguire in that famous FIFA mod, but but look, 
Ross Barkley is an interesting signing. As you said yourself, he didn't do too badly at his previous club. He's um, he's obviously got talent. He's got experience at this level. He's played at international level, etc., etc. But here's the thing, you know, taking that back to the game last night, Ross Barkley ain't going to help you away at Stamford Bridge because no. he's not going to get enough of the ball. And Ross Barkley can't win a game for you without the ball. And I'm sure he's game, and I'm sure he covers grass, and I'm sure he does well without the ball. But for some reason, it feels to me like if you're going to set up like they set up, how does Ross Barkley help you? You know more about tactics than me, Andy. Maybe you can tell me. How much effect can Ross Barkley have for Luton, particularly away from home? Well, you need him closer to Carlton Morris. I think, I think that's that's pretty clear for for, for starters. I, I think he could feed off. But him he can't get up there, can quite he? Nicely given the opportunity. Well, no, no. I mean, not away at Chelsea when they've got like you know twenty percent of the ball. How how many? How much percentage of the ball do you think they'll get against Manchester City? By the way, well, exactly, it's frightening. They're thirty-two percent or just under thirty-three percent at Stamford Bridge. Right. Okay. Uh, nowhere okay. near that is the answer. Right, yeah. I, I mean, it'll be below Bournemouth at uh, Dean Court against um I don't quite know what Manchester the record City is. Sort of levels. I don't know what the record for low percentage is, but I, I imagine they'll probably challenge it. It's somewhere around uh, the 15 the, mark, isn't it? Yeah, look, but, I, I, firstly, in terms of Luton's season as, as, as a whole, um, I, I think, firstly, you have to wait for the transfer window to shut because there's probably business to be done there. And even without them going out and spending lavishly, there will be opportunities. I think in 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 the in the last week of the the, the transfer window in in players that could do with a platform and, and and haven't got a place elsewhere, so they've got work to do. Secondly, I want to see them play at home. I think that's yeah. a, a a big thing as well. But things can change. I mean, you know, you look at you know, a Sheffield United fan who we know very well um, was very pessimistic about them going into this season. I expect he still is, but I, <laughs> it's not I, helping Luton, is it? No, I, I think, but it's a good comparison, I think, because they're two teams who, the way everyone has looked at it, and I'm sure that'll be reflected in our predictions at the end of the season when we open each other's envelopes. That most people think Luton and Sheffield United aren't really going to get out of the bottom two, and so Everton and their miserable existence <laughs> might might miss that remaining relegation place because that is the way that most people are looking at it. But I think you look at the way that Sheffield United performed in the second half last week at Nottingham Forest. Um, you look at the emergence of Gustavo Hama. You look at um, other players that they might get in. We, we talked on the Ramble yesterday about uh, Mama Balde maybe pitching up there. I think it would be absolutely great for them and a, a step up from what they've got already. This isn't over. It's it's just the start. And if you look at some of the the, the numbers in terms of points tallies that it's taken to to stay up the last couple of seasons, let's not write them off just yet. Mm. No, fair point. I think it would be silly to write anyone off at this point in the season. You're not um, going to need forty to stay up this season. No, you, well, you never do anyway these days. No, I mean, no. And the only person who writes teams off in August, as we all know, as regular ramble listeners will know, is David Moyes. Um, and I'm not fit to lace his boots. I'm not fit to uh, to pay him as a ferryman. So I couldn't ever say that about Luton or any team at this point in the in the in the Premier League. Because you know football surprises you, even when people take all these measures to control every aspect of the game. You can't control all of it, and it does it does have the capacity to surprise you. All right, thank you for listening to today's ramble reacts. Uh, it's really great to have you along. I hope whichever game you're travelling to, or whether you're just staying at home, look after yourselves and stay safe. And we hope you enjoy the weekend that Marcus officially opened for us yesterday. Uh, Marcus, Jim and I will be back on Monday to take in all the weekend's action. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram and YouTube at Football Ramble. And please remember to subscribe 
on your podcast app. That's it from us. Say goodbye, Andy. Goodbye, Ramblers. And uh, remember, if you are staying at home, as Luke said, don't watch any of the Saturday three o'clock. I'm sure you wouldn't be that devious. Absolutely not. That is the most heinous of crimes and you all know it. Uh, And it's goodbye from me as well. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 